1: Draft season is here, and our insiders are ready to break it down. Player spotlights, draft day trades, team-by-team grades, and the biggest winners and losers from the weekend. It's time for Baldy's Breakdowns with Brian Baldinger and Jason LaCanfora. Happy Monday morning, and welcome to the wrap-up edition of Odyssey's 2022 draft special we are here to walk you guys through our observations, takeaways, and conclusions from the 2022 NFL Draft that just wrapped up. I am Jason Lockenfora at Jason Lockenfora on Twitter. I have the honor to be joined by Ultimate Football Guy X's and O's Film Maven. Brian Baldinger at Baldy NFL on Twitter. We will obviously touch on the teams that stood out to Baldy in this. some of the surprises in terms of drafts, trades that were draft trades that were made or weren't made. Um, Is football back in the Big Apple for good? Have they jump started something there? What's up with the quarterbacks going as late as they did? Um, Plenty to dissect here as uh, the NFL teams have concluded the major, uh, you know, the major heavy lifting of their of their offseason. Although there are still some free agents out there who I'm sure uh, will get signed sooner rather than later. Uh, Baldy, what were I guess a few of sort of your macro
0: level takeaways from 40,000 feet before we dig into this a little deeper? Well, it was an unbelievable weekend in Las Vegas, as everybody witnessed that either watched on TV or was there. Um, gosh, there's so many, you know, if you just look at the New York teams, Jason, I mean, they have been starved for a very long time. Um, coaching changes, general manager changes, uh, to see them get five first round picks and to see the way it fell. I think the way it fell started with Houston taking Derek Stingley, you know, and with Stingley taking up a spot that kind of freed up the Giants to say, okay, Kayvon Thibodeau after the Jets take Sauce Gardner which we thought they would do, it then became the Giants draft. Do they take an offensive tackle there, or do they take the edge rusher? So Kayvon was probably higher on the board, or they thought that was the greater need. So they take Kayvon, the the Carolina Panthers, they go and take Icky, and then here comes the Giants again, and there's Evan Neal, the guy that they wanted all along to plug in at right tackle. So it fell perfectly for the Giants, but Houston helped them. And then here's the Jets. The owner, Woody Johnson, wants a wide receiver in a worse way. Well, the number one wide receiver on Joe Douglas's board was Garrett Wilson, and there he is. Drake London goes to Atlanta with the eighth pick. You know, uh, Seattle does what they do uh, when they take Charles Cross, the offensive tackle to Mississippi State. And here comes the Jets at number 10 getting Garrett Wilson. So they get – um they get the number one corner on their board. They get the number one uh, wide receiver on the board. And then as Jermaine Johnson, for whatever reason, just dropped like a stone in this draft, uh, they tried back in the first round with the twenty-sixth pick and get Jermaine Johnson, who they had really high. And then at the very top of the second round, they made a trade to move up to get what they thought was the number one running back. So the Jets got three of their top eight players on the board. They got their number one running back, number one corner, number one wide receiver. And the Giants, they got their edge rusher that they coveted and a starting right tackle. I mean, I just think New York slammed this thing. Like they couldn't have done any better than either team did.
1: Any part of you, Baldy, surprised that the Jets wouldn't do really even get all that close to what it would take from a draft capital standpoint to get Debo Samuel. They obviously were pushing for that at the end of the day, you know, their, their offer, given all the picks they had, I think was, was certainly a little lean, at least Cal Shanahan has said as much. And I think if you look at the other wide receiver trades, it, it probably would indicate as much. I, I, I kind of thought that might be
0: the route that they go. Well, you know, much like what Philadelphia did and we'll get to that with AJ Brown uh, the same agent that represents AJ Brown DK Metcalf Debo um, you know the, the Eagles were able to do exactly that to trade for AJ Brown um, get him in the building and get a contract done I don't know how you do all of that and that wasn't even their choice at 13 you know uh, or at 18. so anyways I think the Jets went as high as they wanted to go. And then like a lot of teams, and this is a a separate, you know, really podcast, but a lot of teams are looking at the wide receiver market, Jason, and going, Are we going to pay twenty to twenty-five million dollars a year on a proven commodity? Or are we going to go back to the draft where we know there's going to be a half a dozen every year that are coming out that can play? And it's just a question of how quickly can they play and contribute. And so, you know, Justin Jefferson uh, Jamar Chase. I mean, we've seen guys come in and just play at an elite level. Now it's not everybody, but uh, that—that's—that's that's really the debate for a lot of these teams right now. And I think some some players are going to get caught up in that. And if they want to get paid the way Tyreek and AJ and a bunch of these guys did this off season, they've got to either they got you know they got to find a, a trading partner if their team isn't willing to give them that deal. Well, let's use the
1: wide receivers as a springboard to the quarterbacks because you mentioned the A.J. Brown trade, and the Titans think they've drafted his replacement. We'll have to see how plug-and-play that is and and what the development time is there um, for the receiver they took out of uh, Arkansas. But, Baldy, they do get around to taking a quarterback, And it's Malik Willis, who some thought might go in the first round, some thought might go as high as the top 10. Uh, One might argue that Ryan Tannehill has sort of plateaued or, or maybe reached the highest levels he can reach. That team seems to be treading water at best in the AFC when you look at the power moves other teams are making to get better. There may be a little bit of a reset coming to them as an offense, we know they can get out of Tannehill's contract next year pretty easily. We'll start there with the quarterbacks. What do you make of that fit and that as the spot that breaks Malik Willis's fall?
0: I, you know, I'm not I don't believe that these quarterbacks, Ritter or Howell or Willis, I don't believe any of them fell. I believe they got drafted where their value is. I mean, this is a developmental player that played at a small school, um, you know, that has a ton of talent, but is not ready to play, not right now. I don't believe he is. And so I think, you know, the 86 pick in this draft, and um, he's going to a place where he doesn't have to start, which is ideal. And I'm sure the way that they run the ball, there'll be packages for Malik Willis to get him on the field early on. Uh, you know, with King Henry and, you know, just the option read stuff that, you know, a lot of teams have been doing. Um, I, I can see packages to get him on the field. I think it's a really good situation. It, I mean, I'm sure he, he, you know, he heard the rumors and heard from coaches saying he's a first round pick. I, I think he got picked right where he, he really belongs. I thought Tennessee would take a quarterback. I thought it would be awfully rich to take any of these guys with, you know, with a high pick. So, you know, When they traded A.J. Brown, they had to get a receiver. They had to get somebody. And, look, the comp for A.J. Brown was Traylon Burks. So, you know, when he's hanging around there in the third round, and it was their second third-round pick, not even their first third-round pick. They take the offense attack from Ohio State with their first third-round pick. I, I think it's a great place for Malik. It might not start where he wants, but it might be a great place for him. Does it feel to you at all like the Titans are transitioning a little bit? Am I reading too much into this? Well, I think defensively, they're still going to be really strong, you know, and they still got a running back that, you know, can um, control a lot of games. I understand that now you're going into the, you know, with the rookie wide receiver and, you know, Robert Woods coming back from an injury and it might not look like the firepower you need on the outside, but I think they're still going to be well coached. I think they're going to play great defense. I, I think they're a top five defense still. They kept their, their front four intact and that was the best front four in football. Uh, a year ago. So I think they still have a lot of pieces. Um, But, it, you know, it's hard to just think that any of these receivers can play at the level of A.J. Brown blocked like he did, Um, you know, was the go-to guy when you needed that guy. I mean, he was the best, you know, they lost to Cincinnati in the playoff game. It was a big shock to everybody in Nashville that day, but the best wide receiver on the field that day was A.J. Brown. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a big loss. Obviously, the coach is not happy. Uh, but we'll see how quickly Traylon Burks can get up to speed and become a you know, a real contributing player.
1: Desmond Ritter ends up going to the Falcons. I had heard leading up to the draft that other teams watched the Falcons interact with this young man and got the sense that Arthur Smith really liked him. Um, with where they take him, I think
0: there's some value to be had there. What do you think of that fit? I think it's a good fit. I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, Arthur Smith could go into another year without a quarterback to, to build. That's sort of been his strength is developing quarterbacks. And so you can't go through this draft and not get somebody. Marcus Mariota is there simply because of the familiarity, but nobody believes Marcus Mariota is a top flight quarterback. And everybody loves Marcus as a person. Nobody's here to ever denigrate, you know, what kind of man he is. But, you know, we've seen the arm. We've seen the decision making. We've seen the, you know, the, the injuries. Um, you know, and so he's there as a placeholder, but Desmond Ritter's talent, like just the physical talent is, is very, very high. Now, can he be more accurate with the football? Like that's, you know, that's the challenge right now for Arthur Smith, you know, to really put him and put him in a position. Where, you know, whether it is the RPO game that he's familiar with, uh, you know, how quickly he can build a rapport right now with Drake London and his all world tight end and all the other stuff that you got to be able to do. Um, you know, I think it'll help that, you know, Marcus knows the system and he's, he's not a, uh, he's not a guy that's going to close Desmond Ritter off. He'll work with him. And so I think it's a good situation for him. You're not surprised by how far Sam Howell fell? You know, look, if you watch 2020, when he was loaded with running backs and wide receivers, he was fantastic. He was still good last year. In fact, he was dynamite when it comes to the deep ball and all that. He might be the surprise of the whole draft. I mean, the way that he moves, the touchdowns that he's run for. But, you know, they they sort of clump these guys together. Jason, and they they were the league basically told you we, we think that there's a bunch of third and fourth and fifth round picks all the way to the Mr. Irrelevant and Brock Purdy out of Iowa State being the final pick in this draft. Detroit does not take a quarterback.
1: Some are dinging them for that. In their draft grades, but Baldy, they've got such a long way to go, and I feel horrible for their fans saying that. But when you get a rookie GM and a rookie head coach and give them six-year deals, you're you're conceding that you're going to be digging out of uh, uh, the abyss for a while. I love the move up. For Jamison Williams, I think if anybody of that receiving class has a chance to be truly special, uh, it's it's him. Not just a really good number two or a back end number one. I mean, somebody who might have that real star power change the course of your yeah. offense. I think he's potentially that guy, and he's going to be really cheap for a while. Um, obviously, Aiden Hutchinson getting a face of the franchise player who really wants to be. In Detroit, Josh Pascal, is there a better story in this draft, Baldy, no, overcoming cancer, no. all he's yep, done in yep. the community, the upside he has as a person and a football mm-hmm. player? I like the tight end they took in the latter rounds of the draft. And you know what? I mean, They're still loaded
0: for better to go get a quarterback next year, Baldy. They, they had two of my favorite players in this whole draft, you know, in Kirby Joseph out of Illinois and uh, Malcolm Rodriguez. Out of Oklahoma State, who's just a tackling machine. I mean, two, they were two of my favorite players in this whole thing. You know, it's interesting that, you know, when you look at just the trades that were made and the flurry of activity, you know, nobody dropped a bigger bomb than Detroit going from 32 to 12. And so yeah. I'm watching this thing unfold, Jason, and I see the Eagles move in front of the Ravens, go from 15 to 13. So everybody just assumed, or at least on the outside world, uh, you know, what? whatever happened, um, you know, between Baltimore and Howie Roseman, you know, it, we probably will never know. But the Eagles do trade up in front of Baltimore to get to 13, all right, to take Jordan Davis, who they thought the Ravens very well could take, which was a real possibility. Anyways, but then Detroit, after Philadelphia makes the move to 13, then Detroit goes 32 to 12, And when you looked at that move, I said to myself, they think Philadelphia's taking Jameson Williams at 13 and not Jordan Davis. And I don't have that on record. I'm not a reporter, Jason. I'm not trying to flush that story out. Every team has a cluster of players. They do all their pre-draft, you know, uh, trials, you know, to get ready for this. But I really believe the Eagles were trading up to get Jameson Williams. They saw the game record that he is. And Detroit saw that, and that's why they came 20 spots up in front of the Eagles. Now, whether that's true or not, Jason, I, we may never know. I don't know that for a fact, but I felt like that's what they did. They And, you know, look, there's Deuce Daly in Detroit that spent his whole life in Philadelphia. I mean, there's guys inside that building that kind of know a little bit about the intel of what Philadelphia might be doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to connect dots here. But anyways, Detroit did make the biggest move in this whole draft to go get the wide receiver. Yeah, I just feel like them waiting for the for the quarterback till next year may be
1: prudent and load up on what you can this year. Um because again, Rome Rome wasn't going to be built in a day when it came to those guys. Another team that I think a lot of people are giving high marks to, the Baltimore Ravens, Baldy, one of the shockers of this draft to me is that yeah. they actually used all six of their fourth-round yeah. picks. I mean, so think about having six picks clustered so together that much. Baldy, you could give a team six first-round picks. They're not going to hit on all six, right? You can give them six no. in the top 30. The, to think that they're going to hit on all six is crazy. To try to do that in the fourth round... Um, and I like a lot of what they did. You, you just don't know how it's going to play out. But you you they know, kept all six players. They've doubled yeah. down on tight ends. They've doubled down on corners. They took a punter. They took a six-foot-nine, 400-pound mountain of a man. Uh, that, that could tell the story of their future.
0: How, how much value did they find there? How many holes did they end up plugging? Well, I feel like, you know, even prior to that, I mean, Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Lindenbaum, I mean, there's nobody that doesn't believe that those guys are going to be Pro Bowl players. So then you get David Ajabo, and look, he's a first-round talent that gets taken, you know, with a 45th pick because of his injury at his work pro workout, all right? So you, you'd let him just sort of, you know, maybe redshirt this year. Who knows? Travis Jones lit up the Senior Bowl. I mean, you know, I don't know how long Calais Campbell's going to go. He's, he's hinted at retirement. We thought he was going to step away. I mean, you know, Derek Wolf, I mean, all these different guys that they have brought in through free agency. Eventually, you just got to get younger up front. You know, but then, you know, and obviously, you know, Mike McDonald, the defense coordinator, knows a and from Michigan. So that's a great tie. But Daniel Falele, I mean, he's he's Zeus. That's what he is. Like, he's he's a bigger Zeus. Like, they got Orlando Brown Sr., Orlando Brown Jr., and Falele all together. Like, he's just going to obliterate the sun. It's going to be an eclipse out there at right tackle. You know, and then nobody doesn't believe that, you know, the Ravens aren't going to draft players from Alabama in any given year. So you get the corner, you know, in Jalen Armour Davis. I know Charlie Kolar. Like, I know how big of a dra- uh, recruit he was going to Iowa State. He's a blocking tight end. What do the Ravens do? They load up on blocking tight ends. Uh, he is six foot seven, he's a big target if you want to throw it to him. But you just go through the whole list. I mean, do they need a punter, Jason? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Uh Sam Cook's been there forever. Yeah, Sam Cook's getting uh, up there. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. So, you know, p- practice squad, who knows? But you just go through it. I've never seen – nobody's ever seen, you know, six fourth-round picks. You know, you think with all of that ammunition that you would use that as, you know, f- for, you know, draft capital to go make trades or whatever, but they took them. So – you know, draft them and develop them. We'll see which ones hit. But I think a couple of them are going to hit for sure.
1: Yeah, um, they're certainly going, going to need it too. Any other teams, Baldy? that kind of stuck out for you? Um, things you, you liked know, people doing in the latter stages of the draft, late day two,
0: day three? Well, I mean, I'll just jump around here. But, you know, Dallas, they take the offensive lineman. You know, you could debate, you know, Tyler Smith, that probably, you'll probably play him at left guard. Right away, and you know, when Tyron Smith decides to, to walk away, maybe they put him out there. But you know, they they had to upgrade the offensive line. People thought that's what they were going to do. They didn't overthink it. Um, but they took the Sam Williams out of Mississippi, and you know, there's a big old red flag on him for for an incident that happened at Mississippi at, at, at Ole Miss. Um, he w- all charges were dropped. I guess Dallas did their homework on him. I'm sure there's going to be pushback by certain groups, as there should be. But when you just evaluate him as a player, Jason, he's as good as any pass rusher in this league uh, that came out of this draft. He's as good as anybody. I texted Micah Parsons going, you got yourself a pass rusher. And he goes, I'm taking him under my wing, Baldy. Like like that, that – you know, I thought either Dallas or Kansas City would take him just because they've taken players that have had issues before and they just have, I don't know, ownership, leadership, whatever, that kind of handles these guys, you know. And so – uh, we'll see. We'll see. But he, he is a tremendous talent. Um, you know, you look, you, you always look at what Chris is doing in Indianapolis. I loved Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. Jelani Woods was this kid that had a breakout year at Virginia after being in Oklahoma State. He's tested extremely well. They love tight ends in Frank Wright's offense. He's a six foot seven and change tight end. Um, Bernard Ryman, the left t- they've been looking for a left tackle um, you know, for three years now. So maybe Bernard Ryman, who's a great story out of Austria um, in Central Michigan, you know, can hold down that spot next to, you know, Big Q. So you look at them, you go, you know, Nick Cross, as you know, out of Maryland was a pretty highly touted safety. I mean, you look at that and you go, that looks like a solid Indianapolis draft with no first round pick. The Kobe I mean, D, I mean, I mean, what I do you grow. make of that one? Which one? Which one? N'Kobe Dean going where he went. What do you make well, of that? I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. So, you know, people will talk about fifteen players from Georgia being drafted, five in the first round. The best of all of their first round picks was N'Kobe Dean. <laughs> now he was the best he was the best defensive player on the team. He got everybody lined up. He was the captain. He was the undisputed leader of that defense. And I don't know, like, I saw him play every game last year, Jason. I don't know what these injuries are. Like, it didn't look like it inhibited. Like, you look at him against Alabama, he's all over the field uh, in the championship game. So I don't know if something happened, you know, um, between the that championship game and draft day. I don't know. I'm not You know, I don't know the medical on him. I know this, like, even if you have to redshirt him this year, let's just say he needs surgery. Um. And you got to sit him for a year. You're getting a first-round talent uh, there in Philadelphia. And they, f- with the 83rd pick in the draft. Like, people thought he was a middle-of-the-first-round pick, you know, and that he wouldn't go any f- lower than that. And so you get him at the 83rd pick. And the Eagles, they can't find a linebacker. I mean, they haven't drafted one in the first round since 1979. So, I mean, they might have solved their biggest issue. Since probably the retirement or the shipping out of Seth Joyner, you know, twenty-five years ago, they that's probably the the best linebacker they've ever drafted since then. Well, Baldy. I like with how they address
1: their spine, and he gets to run around behind a three hundred and forty-pound dude who he knows pretty damn well from playing with him on Saturdays.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well look, I look my only question about Jordan, and it's the only question people have about him, you the the forty yard dash is meaningless. Although it, it does show you that he's quick twitch, he's he can cover a lot of ground running a four seven eight at three hundred and forty one pounds. But his his issue has been conditioning, and it is for all men that big. Um, and so it, can he be an every down player? Can can he rush the passer? If you're playing Tom Brady and he throws three bubble screens to start the game, and you're chasing him down, or are you on the sideline? with an oxygen mask on your face. You know, I mean, those those are real issues. And, you know, he did get heavy as the season went on last year. He was invisible in the SEC championship game against Alabama. He had gotten too heavy, but they had a month before the playoffs began, and he got himself in a better shape. Lost, you know, f- from what people say, they lost as much as 20 pounds. And so that's, that's, that's the concern. You come to Philly and you start enjoying the cheesesteak sandwich here, um, you could be 360 in a hurry. So, you know, Fletcher Cox and some of the, the men in the Eagles locker room, they've got to really keep an eye on this kid. Do you feel like they've closed the gap, though? I come
1: away and I look at that wide-open NFC, and I see especially, with you know, with an A.J. Brown now. And, and what – I mean, how hard was that run game to defense without a big physical stud like that on the outside? Now you add him in to some of the track guys, you know, green Bay. I don't know, Baldy. I, I I, felt like they maybe move up and get one of the best receivers in the draft rather than, you know, hope a small school guy solves your ills. You might only have one more year with Aaron Rodgers. You know, I look at Tampa, does Tom Brady hit the wall at some point? Like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a bit of an opportunity there for some teams to maybe leap up. In that conference, and the one who I kind of feel like may have done it is the Eagles.
0: Well, it's just going to come down to the play of Jalen Hurts. It just is, you know. Um, he's he he has, he has to get better in certain areas, but he has shown. First of all, he's a very coachable guy. Uh, his dad's a, a coach in Houston. I mean, I mean, he's he's all about being coached. So he's got to take a step up. You know, I mean, uh, the two minute drill, the end of the games, fourth quarter comebacks, like that's all in front of him. But he certainly has a better roster around him to do that stuff with now. They've got as good a trench. If you just look at the trenches in the Philadelphia Eagles right now, they're as good as anybody in football. You know, you want to look at a team that is built really strong on both sides of the ball in that area. They're as good as anybody. So, I mean, he's, they've got a, a more fortified team. He's, you've got a Devontae Smith, a Dallas Goddard, and an A.J. Brown to throw to behind a really good offensive line. That's a pretty good way to evaluate a quarterback. Uh As far as Green Bay, it's just it, its just so bizarre to me. It's just what they do, Jason. They just don't deviate. Like, they had all kinds of opportunities. I mean, Detroit traded up to go get the fastest wide receiver in this draft. I could just see Aaron Rodgers, you know, dusting off that arm and tr- throwing him a few go balls a game. Um, and, and what that would be like to see him make that Lambeau leap. Um Like, that <laughs> – and to take him away from Detroit, like, that seems like that would be a great. But if you look at what they did with, you know, Devontae White and Quay Walker and and what they have on defense, nobody has more first-round picks on defense than the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they just keep loading up. So, like, maybe the defense now can get extra at-bats with takeaways, uh, with Jair Alexander healthy all year and Sar- Savage and – the whole group back there, maybe their philosophy is let's just get more at-bats for Aaron Rodgers. We'll give him Christian Watson. We know he can run. But I don't know. Like they, they just seem resigned. Just listen to Brian Gutekind's last week, Jason. They seem resigned to think that receivers need time to develop. And that's what this Christian Watson's probably going to need, the way Jordy did, the way Devontae did. But I don't know. Like in this league right now, if you can go get – a game wrecker week one or week two, you know, early on. I just think you got to make that move.
1: I tend to agree, Baldy. Well, look, we won't know who really crushed this draft and who bleeped it up for another two or three years. That's just the reality. We can hand out paper grades. We can look at who addressed needs in real time, but the players got to play. They've got to provide the actual value. Um, they've got to go out there and do it. Some have been put in better positions to do so than others. There are still some free agents out there on the street. There will still be some big trades to come this off season. At some point, Jimmy Garoppolo at some point, Baker Mayfield will change destinations. We'll be here to continue to talk to you guys about it and keep the football conversation ongoing throughout the off season on these breakdowns. Please. You can find us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, podcasts, subscribe, rate, review, because we will be coming to you guys regularly on that forum throughout uh, the off season, including on the Odyssey app. We appreciate you guys listening to our draft specials and we will get back to you soon on Baldi's breakdowns.